What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, December 4th, 2023, and this week's episode, UFC Austin goes off. We'll talk about the wild fight night from Austin, Texas, some big changes in the lightweight division, and a lot of history being made. It was quite the night. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news. Mexico City has a co-main event, but what could that headliner be? We'll discuss all of that. And we'll talk about the chatter around town, the PFL signing a new deal with ESPN, some questions about the women's featherweight division, and a couple little tidbits from around the fight game. We'll cap it off by talking about this coming Saturday's UFC fight night from the Apex in Las Vegas. The Bantamweight fight between Song Yadong and Chris Gutierrez. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Zamudio. Hey Double G, what's going on? How you doing? I'm feeling pretty good, you know. It's, uh, I gotta say, I keep looking at this and my mind can't wrap itself around two UFC events left for the calendar year. Three overall, if you count uh, the one championship event. So it's like, man, we're, you know, we we talk about this. It's just like a machine every week, every month, you know. And it's like, oh, my gosh, we're actually like, you know, we're actually at the end. And then it's like, oh, like my schedule is about to open up like crazy. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's always a surprise. The end of the year always catches me off guard somehow. And I feel like, wasn't it just summer? Not that long ago. And uh, so... You know, looking forward to the Christmas or holiday stuff, but also surprised when it's like, oh, man, that's going to be a pretty lengthy break for MMA, specifically UFC, which is, you know, obviously the dominant force. But sometimes it's nice to have a, a free Saturday night. You can, you know, pop a DVD in the DVD player or, uh, you know, <laughs> just kidding. Put on the uh, the Netflix, whatever the kids do these days. You mean put your cassette in the VHS and rewind the VHS, it before yeah. you return it to Blockbuster? Crank up my, my uh, reel-to-reel and pull out the projector. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't forget, afterward with the beer you put on your old record player. With yep. some classic vinyl with the you know that little sleeve that's all beat up. You can barely <laughs> read who it was. Oh, some Linda Ronstant. Let's go. All right. I you know mean, who that is? no, I'm not okay, there yet. Seriously, I'm not there say. yet. Okay, uh, here's the thing. You know, before we get too far off, you're talking to the wrong person about music. Okay, got it. Got I'm it, the enough. yeah. It's uh, you know, it's kind of like when people say I don't like food. Who doesn't like food? We eat every day. Yeah. You know, I don't know that I could say I quote like music, but that's a story for another day. Yeah, it is. Okay. Anyway. Uh, look, let's talk about some people who are in the here and now. The stars at UFC Austin. Let's start with the main event. Benil Darius taking on Armand Sarukian. Uh, less than a minute. I'm not going to act like nothing happened. They were both getting themselves going. Benil as well. He looked like he was ready for a, you know, looked like he was gearing up to throw down for a five-round fight. We talked about this. There's a good chance that early storm was going to be the biggest threat. I got to say, Natalie, and we've talked about this with Benil. Everybody gives this guy a hard time because of the fact that he's, his hair is gray. Yeah. And you start acting like he's Tony freaking Ferguson, who's, I believe, pushing 40. Benil is only, I think, 34. But I get it. The hair makes him look like he should be a lot older. Then you talk about all these young, fast, you know, fast twitch, explosive athletes he is very much not that. It's very much his technicality, the versatility of his game. You know what? Honestly, you know what it is a bit like? Olivier Aubin-Mercier. It's mm. like he's not this fast twitch guy, but he's so well-rounded and so good at executing yeah. that that's really where he becomes such a problem for these guys. And he's got fantastic grappling, if we're being honest. So I think that, you know, people... So when I break this down, I just want to make it clear. Benil is a very difficult guy. Sarukian, just the sheer athleticism really got him to that mark fast. And yes, there's something to be said for, you know, how he executed it. Kind of fakes the knee. Benil stays right there and he cracks him with the right hand. That's all she wrote. He got Benil flush, follows up for one shot. Fight was over. Didn't need more than that. 
we've seen Sarukin in five round fights. We know he's very versatile. We know he's very athletically gifted, fast guy, clearly well-rounded game. We didn't get to another display of that. What I do think this fight helped, though, was kind of to announce him in dramatic fashion, like, hey, we're done with the 6 through 10 part of the rankings. Yeah. We yeah. are ready for top five guys. I am ready for the Michael Chandlers, the Fazeves, the Gamrots again. And we are here to talk about what fight could possibly get me a top three opponent for a title shot. What about you? Yeah, for sure. He he made, you know, he he had a plan. He delivered on that plan. Message received. And I don't think there's any denying him that opportunity to fight the next, you know, group of ranked, top ranked guys. I was, um, I mean, to say I was surprised by this outcome, I picked Ben Hildariush five rounds, you know, to win via decision. So this is the complete opposite of what I saw coming. I got to tell you, I, uh, initially watching it, I thought the knee, it was the knee that landed, you know, from that first angle. But when yeah. you see that it was the punch, I mean, it just, it was concussion city. Like it, it whipped his head around. And he looked so dejected after, you know, of course, it's a huge loss. And I'm just like, man, was he really, is it, you know, how much of it is it I'm so hurt or I'm just, I'm so sad or probably a little bit of both. It's a, I think it's a pretty big loss for Benil, right? You know, when you coming off the other loss to, was it Oliveira, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's your attempt to stay at the top, to reach that title shot and, and then you lose to this up and comer. So, you know, he'll probably have to do a lot of regrouping and decide, you know, what went wrong and all that, all that hard stuff. But for Armin, yeah, I mean, talk about making a splash. So I think he can kind of look, let me put it this way. All the big top names in that weight class that have been circling top five for years and years now, Gaethje, Poirier, even Oliveira, like, Armin Sarukian would give all of them trouble. So I think that he should get what he wants. And maybe, I don't think Poirier's, why would he, Poirier, okay, I like Poirier if he doesn't have anybody, which I don't think he does, but why would Poirier fight him? I feel like Poirier's already at the point where it's got to be for gold or nothing, right? What do you think? Uh, I'm with you there. I think that Poirier is a guy... Um... Look, he's had three or four shots at the title. Uh, I, I completely get Poirier saying, look, I mean, I'm not a spring chicken. Yeah. I'm not trying to be here at 42. It's big fights or I'm calling it a day. Right. I, I will say, though, you lost the fight to Justin Gaethje. Yeah. You, you're not getting, uh, you know, that top three guy right now those top three guys who are winning they want another guy who gets them a title shot beating Poirier doesn't jump you ahead of Gaethje right now so you're not getting those matchups unless everyone else is booked which not everyone is there's a lot of obviously round robining going on with the whole Connor Islam Chandler and Gaethje right uh-huh. um Charles most obviously in that way and because Armin didn't take damage I would put Armin Poirier, to be honest, I, I put it on the table for UFC 300. I'll okay. call that right now. Poirier wants that. it that bad. You're coming off an L. Armin is now one of those guys that you could take on. I say let's get after it. I would have said that Poirier and Benil was the fight to make on Saturday, but okay, I don't know. We haven't heard too much from Poirier why he didn't, you know, all this. We know Benil really pushed the... Poirier denied fighting me twice, even though I accepted. So if it's on the table, I really think you can go Armin versus Poirier. I think that makes sense in this moment for these guys. Then if Poirier is not on the table, I hate to say it, but you're kind of waiting a little bit. You know, um, if Michael Chandler doesn't get uh, Conor McGregor, which I know he's going on the MMA hour and... Respectfully, I don't think it's to talk about his new book, but it may be. <laughs> okay. Um, I, he, by the time you listen to this, Michael Chandler would have been on the show. So uh, full disclosure if you're listening right now. Mm-hmm. But um, look, the fact is, if 
Conor McGregor and all that, they just go in a different direction. Michael Chandler also feels like a good choice for Armin. I think that's another fight, respectfully, that would push Armin, even though Chandler, I believe, is coming off a loss. So I think that makes sense. But to me, it goes Poirier, then Chandler. Um, If, and I'll say this, Justin Gaethje may sit on the sidelines for the next, like, 14 months. Yeah. I don't know that Gaethje is going to take Armin Sarukian, even if, hypothetically, actually, no, I'm going to take that back. I feel like Gaethje would just try to get the UFC to vacate the lightweight title if Islam were to say, hey, I'm moving up to 170. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do a double champ thing. I think they're going to be like, no, if he's moving up, then make it me versus Oliveira too for the undisputed or something like that. So, you know, we'll find out, I think, a little more about their plans next week, obviously, when Leon fights Colby. But I feel like that's the one that Gaethje is waiting for. What does Islam do? Does Islam honestly fight Charles? Does he prioritize trying to go up to 170? Does he stay there? Because I think Gaethje, it's just about the lightweight title, Islam or otherwise. You get what I mean? Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. And, and then, like, yeah. That opens up the whole, then who would be on the table for Sarukian? That's all I, I got. Go ahead. I take agree. It away. Yeah. No, I agree. <clears throat> I'm, I'm with it. Yeah, so that's my, you know, Monday morning matchmaker, put it that way. <laughs> um, co-main event, Jalen Turner. Uh, I, I'm going to just say right now, that was a beatdown of Bobby Green, which I think people are kind of... I, I know what it feels like. It feels like sometimes Bobby Green, oh, overachiever <laughs> in, a, in the sense, like he's so game and you feel like he's there to be exciting not necessarily to be the favorite all the time, uh, but then okay. he then yeah. he has a banger with Rafael Fazeev. Yeah. Then he has a banger with you know Tony, and then it's like okay, you know, and it's like you get why stylistic. Like for example, you know, he was kind of brought in to be the sacrificial lamb against Islam a couple of years ago, right? And it's like okay, you know, he's not the most well-rounded guy. You feel like some of the more versatile guys probably have his number. And then he does what he does to Grant Dawson. And then it's like, okay, you know, this guy is a threat every night out. And then you see what happened with Jalen Turner. And then you're like, I kind of get why this guy wasn't ranked until Saturday. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very one-way traffic. Um, I'm not going to add more to that. Jalen, too big, too long. I think Bobby just wrong game plan under the circumstances. I think he really... I know it's not his game. Freaking wrestle. Do something. But, you know, you're out there trying to pick and pop with a guy who's got significant size and reach on you. Um, and instead, you know, I think he wanted a banger and he ended up just being the nail to Jalen oh. Turner and the hammer. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, thoughts on the fight. We'll talk about the finish in a second. Anything you want to say about the fight? Okay, so, yeah, separate it. Um, yeah, pretty much that. So Jalen Turner was just cool calm collected the the physical advantages were obvious with the reach and the pop and bobby green i think was doing extra was putting on a a, his show you know extra hard with a cool guy like hey that didn't hurt me that didn't hurt me and as i'm watching this i'm like are you sure because that would look like it should have (laughs) hurt and i think he did that one too many times but uh, to his detriment, right? Instead of instead of getting serious, he didn't want to, you know, put lower the um, lower his guard, right? His act. He he kept it up, and that I think is what led to the finish that we'll talk about. But Jalen Turner looked amazing. It was almost easy work for him. It almost looked like he had a smirk on his face the whole time because he could see the openings and he could see that he was causing damage. So back to you. No, I, I completely agree with you. Um, we get to the finish, and um, I'm not going to throw the ref under the bus, more or less because I forgot to write his name down. That <laughs> might be top five, one of the worst uh, stoppages in UFC history. Not stoppage because it was early. Uh, I'm pretty sure Bobby Green was asleep for three shots, too many, yeah, maybe two. Yeah. Um, absolutely horrendous. I think... Um, 
like, like I said, this is one of those cases where you, you want to hear that there's penalties for a referee. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it, it just, what are we doing? There's got to be some kind of action taken. I, I, I just was very, quite, quite frankly, I know it's Bobby Green and it's a little, you know, he's a tough guy and all that and we're here for the violence. Let's keep it real. Yeah. But quite bluntly, that was a little frightening if you if you really think about it. Had that not gone the other way, we would have a very different conversation this Monday morning. Um, so, yeah, I, I would just, just a little... I know being a ref is a hard job, but I was just quite frankly appalled. That that was really... I, I mean, I'm sorry, but what more did you need? I'll say it like that. Yeah, it was a severe, severe just brain fart. Like total... I mean, like every adjective you can throw, error, just failing at your job in the most dangerous way. Kerry Hartley is his name, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and, um, you know, the commentary team was disgusted. I, I feel like as you're watching that, especially if you're Bobby Green's corner, you're kind of like, okay, I, at any second, I'm about to climb into this cage and stop the fight. But you're expecting that the ref will, in the next second, stop it, and he doesn't. In the next second, he's going to stop it, and he doesn't. And it, it kept going and going and going. I don't know what they are instructing the refs to do. We've watched enough combat sports to know that's wrong. So what was happening with his mind, and, and what was he seeing that we weren't there? You, you, can't, you can't make a defense for him, honestly. Um, so I don't know. He's just going to have to answer for it. what the heck happened because it was very severe. It was just a straight-up beatdown. It's like something you would see in a street fight. If this was not a sanctioned combat sports event, you know, Jalen Turner would be in big trouble, right? Because he was just beating up a person that was clearly unconscious. Unconscious. Unconscious, I can say it. No, and so, but, but because it was a combat sports event sanctioned and the referee is the person that's supposed to step in, you know, there's no fault to be to be um, attributed to Jalen Turner. It was terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah, uh, very well put. Um, just got nothing more to add. It was just, I was just appalled. Put it that way. Um, look, obviously we had a lot of uh, more fights, and I want to give everyone their due. Davison Figueredo, successful bantamweight debut, gets the decision against Rob Font. Um, look, Rob never goes away, but. The physicality and the power kind of carried Davison through and led that dance. So, very solid win for him over a tough veteran, too. Sean Brady, dominant against Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, Once he got it on the ground, he really handled it. Misha Tate, really all systems go as well, even more so. The way she took out Julia Avila. I mean, um, what are your thoughts on some of these performances? So, yeah, Kelvin Gastelum, that was hard to see because we've, you know, his trajectory has been in a downward slope for a while now, and it's fair to say you can attribute it to the loss to Israel Adesanya all those years ago. Like, he's not been the same since then for whatever reason. So that was tough to see because he's still young, and it seems like he's still... Well, I don't know. I'll say this. Kelvin Gastelum seems like the kind of guy who is going to keep trying to make it work in MMA because he thinks that's what he's supposed to do. I kind of feel like maybe he's meant to, to move on to something else. And not because he can't still get a win, but because it just seems like his heart's not in it. Anyway, uh, the, the one that I love the most, though, was – or I didn't love that. The one that I, that I did love was Misha Tate. That was just awesome to see her back in the win column in a truly dominant fashion. You know, when you – Think about MMA and, you know, looking back at the history of females in the sport and Dana White not wanting them in there. But then you see Misha Tate and how she's pushed herself and never quit for all these years. She is a legit warrior. Like, male or female, Misha Tate's a warrior. It doesn't matter her gender. So it's great to see her pounding her chest like Robert Whitaker at the end and saying, I, I, you know, it didn't matter who my opponent was. I was going to come in here and, and do what I know how to do best and get the win. You know, I'm excited to see her fight again. I will say this one thing. Her striking, even though there was hardly an opportunity for it to be used, in the brief moments that it was, didn't look great. It looked really good against, um, oh boy, I can't remember her name now. She retired. 
um, after her fight uh, with Misha Marion Tate. Renault. Marion Renault, thank you. It looked really good against Marion Renault, and it hasn't looked good since. So I'm, I know she was going heavy on the wrestling because that's what she does, but she has the ability to show good striking, and so I, I think she's going to have to bring that back into the fold to move on in that division because there are some heavy hitters. So all that is to say, though, I really love that moment. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, I think Misha, it, it was just quite quite bluntly a statement victory. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, for a veteran like Misha, it was awesome. Um, where does she go from here? You know, that fight, uh, I believe that was a 35 fight, or was that a 25? 35, it was 35. It was 35. Julia, 35? Yeah, yeah, she's done with 25. It was too much for her. So it was too hard. Yeah, you know, all right. The thing about 35, obviously short route to the title. Right. The downside of 35, you know, she's got losses to a few of these girls, right? You know, Raquel Pennington and, um, you know, uh, now we talk about Myra Buena Silva. She yeah. doesn't want to fight Juliana Pena. That kind of, you know, Caitlin Ke- Vieira, so that, that really lowers the, you know, it's a very small pool, right? And I would argue, you know, I know that Juliana Pena is talking I almost feel like you got to get in there with Juliana Pena. Otherwise, you got to take on... Like, there's just no way up the ladder for her in this moment. Um, I think with the name value, obviously, you could get right in the mix really easily at Bantamweight, but that's a thing for Misha. Um, Yeah, Sean Brady... uh, You could Look at where Bilal Muhammad is now. Uh I mean... That loss kind of is aging well now for Sean. I think he, this is his second victory in a row. Um, for Davison at Bantamweight, I think he adds a nice, fun element to all that to that party up there. So I think that works. Um, for Kelvin, yeah, I, I feel like that was a tough one because when you change weight classes, you want it to feel like you know, okay, th- this is. Um, like like Alex Pereira at 205, right? Did well. That one might have been his worst loss in a minute for Kelvin. And that did make me wonder, you know, did you just drop down possibly a little too soon? Was it just, you know what, Sean Brady is a really tough guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I did feel like that was like, oof, you know, like now I'm wondering, wait, do I want Kelvin Gastelum back at middleweight? So that I had a few questions on that one, but... I think you got to give full credit to Sean Brady. He went out there to make a statement, and yeah, he did so. he really did. He really did. Yeah. And then a couple others. Uh, two slam knockouts in one night. I read that there's only 14 overall in UFC history. So to have, like, what is that, 14% of them happen on Saturday? You know, cool. Cody Brundage, Drakkar Close. Dude. I love a good crazy. highlight. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was crazy, man. Like... And back-to-back, that's even crazier. Oh, yeah. Do you think that um, Cody Brendan saw it? Like, was it in his head? You know, in the back, they have the TV going and stuff? I don't know. I don't know if he saw it, but if he did, he probably it's in the back of your mind. It's like, well, right. if you have the opportunity, it ain't yeah, a bad idea. Slam this guy right now. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad idea. Go for it. Um, uh, the, the final one from the week, uh, Bobby Green and Sarukian kind of had their little run-in. This thing aged like milk because at first it seems, oh, wait, what happened? And then, you know, you have Sarukian is recording it and he rolled up with his boys and Bobby Green is there. And it's like, uh, you know, what's going on? What did you think of all this now? It's a little silly, you know, but I think it's a good moment for Sarukian to know that, you know, look, look, if you really... I'm a de-escalate kind of gal, put it that way. Um, And I like to squash beef. So if there's an issue, you know, and it needs to be taken care of, I try to do it in a just, I use humor. You know, (laughs) I have my methods. Um, Unless I really feel like truly, truly wronged. And so Armin Sarukian going up to Bobby Green saying like, why are you talking to me? Getting in the, when you get in someone's face and they're sitting down, like, it's it doesn't matter what they said like it's gonna escalate you've already taken it to that point so you know there probably was a better way to handle it however it was probably a very sweet moment for Sarukian to not only see Bobby Green get beat down and then some and then to have a victory of his own and be able to get on the mic and you know talk it out so in general (laughs) I don't 
I don't like when these fighters confront each other. It just makes me a little nervous. But obviously, these are the—I mean, these are fighters, and you—they're getting ready for. There's a weight cutting. Like the, the emotions are running high. Like, not surprised, but I also don't like it when it's. Let me put it this way: if you—if it's the guy you're gonna fight, whatever. But if it's someone you're not gonna fight, you're risking your own fight by getting in a in a fight with somebody else the week before or the week of. I think it's stupid. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it just makes for... Also because I don't feel like Sarukian would have actually taken a fight with Bobby Green, like even if they both won, you know what right, I mean? Exactly. So it's like, yeah. what what are we doing, boys? And now, like I get Elia and Patty. They, th- those guys need a fight before it's all over. I don't care who's where, you know what I mean? Whether it's in the cage or in a hotel. But they need to just officially throw hands without someone stopping it in one second. Um... I don't know that all this is just kind of like it's the fight game you know we've heard it ultimate fighting championship not ultimate feelings right so it's like guys like what are, what are we doing also bobby talks this way about a lot of people right True. i mean he doesn't he doesn't care about nobody's feelings let's be real that's the other thing coming from bobby green i would just be like ah, that guy just is always flapping his, his gums right like he's always trying to beef with anybody he'll beef with your mom like it doesn't matter. So in in that regard, also shouldn't have done it. Shouldn't have confronted him because it's just like he's a pest. Don't don't even bother. Not for sure. I get what you're saying. I mean, it's one of those. Uh, you know, Bobby takes the L, so it just feels less likely. But yeah, that was a little. It was a little cringe. Feel like if you if you're gonna do it, you gotta be about it. Otherwise, just keep flapping from a distance. You know. Yeah. So there we are. You know, we we all know not everybody's best friend, so it's like you got to just yeah. take it how it is. Um, look, quite the week in MMA news, there was a lot of little chatter. It obviously wasn't one of those groundbreaking weeks like we've had in the last month. Yeah. But look, uh, probably one of the nicer ones, Brendan Moreno is uh, in talks to fight Amir Albazi. Five-round co-main event for a fight night on February 24th. Um, no main event has been announced. Um, if it's not Alexa, I don't know who's bigger than Brandon to be the main event, but okay. Now, I- I'm going to just hit you with this one, Natalie. I think they want to see if Alexa and Valentina will be healthy. Okay. If they are, main event. If oh. they're not, well, Brandon's right there with a good fight. What do you think? That's actually very astute of you because that would be... Yeah, Brandon Moreno, Mexico, awesome. If he were the champ, times 10, awesome, right? Yeah. So, of course, but it's still good. But clearly the UFC wants to make an impact with uh, Mexican-American, the Mexican-American market and the Mexico-Mexican market, right? So if they were to be able to get Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko, in this moment in time, in this moment in history that fight would be bigger than a Brandon Moreno as champion fight. Um, or sorry, a Brandon Moreno in general fight, not champion uh, fight. Uh, so, I'll say this. Uh, I've seen the rumors about, uh, about <laughs> Yair Rodriguez and yeah. Brian Ortega. I, uh, that, that's not bigger than Brandon Moreno right now, is it? I'm sorry. Ooh, but... That's a tough one because Brandon Moreno fighting... An, I'm just going to say this. If Brandon Moreno was fighting another Mexican um, okay. or even Hispanic person in Mexico City, I think it could be bigger. But I, I feel like Yair Brian Ortega is bigger than Brandon Moreno fighting really? Amir Albazi. Yeah, I do. Even though the fight, let's be real, Brandon and Amir win this, they're next for the title. Yeah. Brandon, Yair and uh, I just, I don't see that for Yair and um, Brian. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Okay, like, you know, the Mexico and the fighter and and the fight world, like, they don't like all. Like, if you're a Mexican fighter, it doesn't mean you're going to be loved by the Mexican people, right? It has to be the right mix of personality. Brandon Moreno definitely has that mix over Yari Rodriguez, who's stoic and and calm. Brandon Moreno's like, yeah, I'm an you know, kind of guy. So he probably has a larger fan base than Yari Rodriguez in Mexico, would be my guess. So. Um, maybe you're right, but I don't know. I feel like there's a guarantee of just brawl, Mexican brawl, uh, classic Mexican fighting, 
with Yair Rodriguez and Brian Ortega because Yair Rodriguez is going to be pushing forward punches and kicks, and Brian Ortega, I hate to say this, but he he's so stubborn, he's going to just stand there and try to brawl with him. We've seen him do it time and time again. I think it's a more exciting fight, and so maybe that's different than is it a bigger fight. Um, it is different, but I think because it's a more exciting fight, it's a bigger fight. That's my opinion. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But I don't know. I guess it's been a long layoff for Brian Ortega. It has been, really. It and has. so it's like I mm, I just don't know where I am with it. I'll just say it like that. I That's feel like fair. almost like over Brandon, who is so beloved, who's had... I, I know essentially all he's had is like essentially a round robin of his title. Yeah. Like, you know, won it, lost it, got it back, lost it again, got it back. It's like, I get it. I, I really do. But it's like, man, I don't know. That's just that's just where I'm at right now with it for Brandon and versus, Brandon and Amir versus the other one. Obviously, I already said it. Brandon and Amir, the winner of that one, should be up there for Royval or Pantoja who fight next Saturday. So uh, I think that's... I think it was the fight to make, I'll say it like that. Yeah, okay. Um, Manel Cape is obviously out there, but I think that Manel should have been out there making sure he gets Albazi or Moreno because uh, now it's really like you need Pant. Well, no, because Pantoja beat Cape. I think Pantoja has beaten all of these guys now that I think about it. So maybe I need to just <laughs> withdraw my last statement. But yeah, I feel like the winner of this one jumps over Cape in the rankings for that fight. Put it okay. that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then some other stuff. The PFL notably signed a new deal with ESPN. Um, I didn't get an exact number on how many years, but I'd assume it's around three or four. Uh, notably, the UFC's deal with ESPN goes through 2025. Now, why is this a notable thing? Well, in one month, we're going to be in 2024. I don't know if that means, uh, and I got to double check it, and that's my fault. If we start, if UFC ends in 2025 at the beginning or at the end of 2025. Now, okay. We got to keep in mind, obviously, this is a new thing. The TKO group with WWE. Right. The UFC has, you have to imagine that TKO in general, they want their stuff to grow. And we talk, I told you about this. It's kind of like Disney Plus. Not every Star Wars fan is a Marvel fan and like classic Pixar and Disney but the fact is, they're always bundled under the same umbrella and you want to make it a one-stop shop because you have two big, you know, you have multiple super franchises in one house. You want the rising tide to lift all the boats, right? Right. So with TKO Group, with the UFC deal coming up potentially at the end of next year, I have to imagine it's got to be on the table, the the possibility of a single streamer that has WWE and UFC. They're just too... I know there's obviously a difference in fan base. It's not apples to apples. It's apples to oranges. But I have to imagine that's got to be on the table to possibly have them under one roof somehow. What do you think? It's got to be... Look, they would be foolish not to have that conversation and furthermore not to do a deep dive into what that would look like. But they're not the same. They're different, entirely different entities. And and if you take UFC out of the ESPN sphere, I feel like it loses. It could lose the momentum that it's building towards being one of the top brands, one of the top leagues in sports, not combat sports. Obviously, they're you know running away with it. But you know MLB, NBA. NFL, NHL, UFC, like it's, it seems like you're either doing your own, just your own UFC platform or you're with ESPN or you start doing what the other sports leagues do, which is spreading out your, your content over different channels. Like, you know, right. Like all the big sports, they spread out their, their games over many different networks. That seems a little complicated. I don't know if that would really jive with MMA fans, but 
I prefer them to stay at ESPN or do their own thing. But, you know, UFC Fight Pass, I guess you could sort of look at was that attempt. If they are on a platform with WWE and it's called like TKO.com, I feel like that's a little cheesy, man, to have them both on the same in the same shopping cart. I don't know. I, I don't like it. I think you got to keep them, you know, on your on your business, on your books. They're together, but for the the eyes, the eyeballs, for the fans, you got to keep them separate. What do you think? Can I message you a little bit? <laughs> if they had a single streamer, would you call it TKO Plus or TKO Max? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, TKO Punch. I don't know, man. See? Hey, hey like, I'm not going to lie. TKO Max sounds pretty cool. Oh, God. <laughs> Just the cheese factor just keeps, keeps going. TKO Max. TKO okay, Max. you know what? Um, So I, I, I just did some homework. I know that the WWE is still... Okay, I, for example, I know Peacock has a lot of their uh, content now. Yeah. They had a good deal with their streamer. I did also see that linear television, their NXT brand is going to um, the CW, Channel 5, oh, wow. Southern California. Their SmackDown brand, which was with Fox, and I don't know if you remember this, but the reason Fox didn't push harder to keep UFC was because they got WWE. Oh. So, which, by the way, it's been great for the brand. Yeah, way more ratings than, yeah, than yeah, UFC. Yeah, WWE's been great on Fox. But now USA is getting SmackDown from Fox. Okay. So my point of this is that WWE is clearly moving along with its own plan. So I think this may just be a talk about the timing. I want to say big picture, if USC just stays on ESPN, I think it's great. I think there's quite bluntly, the fans are able to access both PFL and UFC. Yep. And I, I, I like it that way. I actually think PFL being on ESPN is amazing. I think that it's great for their fan base. I would argue it's the reason why, even though maybe a smaller roster, they've been more accessible to fans, is because you know you literally can go to the exact same place you go for your UFC to watch this that they're promoting. And I think that is huge. I think the Bellator thing, not to beat the dead horse, the movement of the networks behind the paywall... Yeah. Heard it. PFL doesn't have that issue on ESPN. It will continue to not have that issue on ESPN. Love it. Now, I've heard this. I can imagine UFC wants to be the only MMA dog in the house. Well, you know what? I'm sure they're going to explore that down the line. I'll say this, Natalie. Can you imagine a scenario WWE and UFC on Peacock? Oh, God. And you have to download a new streamer. Well, jeepers. No, I just, Peacock is not like, okay, I get it. If it was UFCs on Channel 4 or on NBC, you know, you can like watch it on your channel on TV, Channel 4 here in LA. That that I'm okay with, but if you have to access UFC on Peacock.com, like it just, the brands don't line up for me. And I guess it's just a matter of you get used to it, you normalize it, who cares what the channel's called or the streamer's called. It just doesn't, it doesn't jive with me. Am I being a little nitpicky? You tell me. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Because I don't know that I think about um, MMA when I go on Amazon, but I know one championship is there. <laughs> yeah, just right. You're right. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me there. So why am I getting I don't know. all my feathers uh, ruffled for that, it? I don't that, know. That's just me pie in the sky talking. But that, that is one of the things that crosses my mind. It's like, well, I mean... They have the infrastructure. I think Peacock also does NFL, which if you can handle NFL, you can handle UFC. So yeah, for, yeah, for sure, right? I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's that. That's where I stand. But I feel like that could be a possibility. Um, once again, if UFC just stays, I know UFC may not like it. The fans would love it. There's clearly room for both. So I don't know. Wait and see. But I think PFL once again. Another W. Uh, what does this mean for UFC with WWE and all that? I don't know. I'd point this out. I saw randomly for the first time ever, uh, the, TK, the TKO Instagram was live streaming and it was Dana White. Hmm. I mean, this is new. Okay, you know? okay. Clearly they're trying... Uh, clearly this is a thing they don't want you to 
forget about. Yeah. So, you know, wait and see. We'll find out. All right. Um, I think I told you this. Um, I don't know if it was off air, but um, at the uh, UFC event in um, September, the same week that they announced the TKO group at the Noche UFC, that Saturday, walking around, there were people who had handmade, like, screen-printed TKO t-shirts. That's right. You did tell me that. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a thing for people. And, you know, the the person with UFC told me, like, yeah, we're not selling those. That's not a thing. There is a limited amount of TKO merch, but the things you saw on people, those are diehard fans who made those the same week the logo uh-huh. came out to wear this Saturday. And I'm like, What? This is a real thing to people, so I think you can't count out the possibility of, T- you know, the TKO brands under one streamer, even okay. if it's two individual deals. Yeah. So All right. That's enough. where I stand. Look, obviously, there was a lot of other little stuff going on. Uh, this one I found rather, um, I'm not going to lie, I was very confused. Chris Cyborg, so Christine Ferreira, who beat Beck Rawlings, she's the BKFC champion. She called out Chris Cyborg for a fight. Chris Cyborg said, I'm focused on boxing, but if Kayla Harrison, listen to the emphasis, if Kayla Harrison isn't ready, let's talk, and PFL let me take this fight. Then, last night, after I sent you the rundown, so I don't know if you saw it, I see a comment from Chris Cyborg to Leah McCourt saying, hey, let's make this big event in Ireland for Bellator. This obviously contradicts things because, one, Chris Cyborg is with the PFL. She's expected to fight in the PFL. And then, two, the guy said she's fighting Larissa Pacheco. (laughs) I'm going to say no more. What are your thoughts? I think Chris Cyborg is playing the game, and we're talking about her now because she's done all these things. Mention every name that she can. Now, Christine Ferreira called her out, so it wasn't on Chris Cyborg to start this whole uh, round of uh, of name-calling, name-dropping, whatever. But I think she's just playing the uh, playing the social media game, you know, keeping her name in the in the conversations, waiting, you know, take waiting to see if Kayla Harrison will bite. Seeing if, if excluding Larissa Pacheco is going to piss off Larissa Pacheco and get her to jump into the fray. So it's a, you know, crafty veteran move to use social media in this way. And she's, it's a little bit annoying because you kind of want it to just be like, be patient, Chris. Like they just made all these, this is a big move. It's just happened. Like no one's forgetting about you at all. Like Kayla, Larissa, they want to fight you. This is how they cement their legacy. You will be like, you're not going to be excluded. You're not going to be left out. And so either she's feeling impatient and, and sort of neglected, or she's just trying to stoke the fire a little bit of both, but it's a crafty move. And it look, we're talking about it. So it worked. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? I'll give you that. You know what I honestly feel like is happening? Because she made those comments that no one from PFL has talked to me. Yeah. Is she just kind of like in denial? About the, the, the merger? Yeah. Like, I don't care that, like, PFL may have bought Bellator, but they didn't buy me. I'm still a Bellator person. Hmm. I, I, I don't, I, I really, if you're playing the game... Like you said, it worked. It really did. I really need her to tell me this because <laughs> as I'm reading this, I'm like, Chris, it's it's over. It it is it's you know it's the, like you're waiting to get on the second uh, cruise of the Titanic. It, it sank on the first one. It's it's <laughs> it's not coming back. You know what I mean? Um, I, I just, yeah, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if she's trying to say that I have the ultimate say and I have this autonomy of my career, which she obviously did tenfold in Bellator. 
And now with the PFL merger, it's like, well, your plans aren't as important as our plans. And she's kind of trying to fight that. I don't know. I hope it's the former what you're saying. Because as I'm reading this, I'm like, does someone need to have a talk with Chris Cyborg and tell her that she doesn't get a say anymore? (laughs) You get what I mean? You know, I mean, I wouldn't look. I don't think there's. They're not going to treat Chris Cyborg. No one is. They're not going to treat her bad. I'm right, not exactly. saying that. So, yeah. so it's not, yeah, it's not like, hey, hey lady, just you're, you're doing whatever the heck we say. They're going to want to have a conversation. And if PFL is what they say they are, what Don Davis says they are, they respect the fighters. They want to treat them well. And, you know, think about the fans, too. The fans, of course, want to see Chris Cyborg fight either of these two people. Kayla Harrison or Larissa Pacheco. For me, it would be in that order. Um, they would be pissed off if you put a, you know, Larissa versus Kayla five thousand, whatever the number would be. So, I get it. She's poking the bear, but don't poke them too hard because you don't want to piss anybody off. You don't want to ruffle any feathers and make them say like, "All right, Chris Cyborg, you know, you're kind of, you're making us look bad by acting like we're not talking to you." Uh, you don't want to do that. So she she did her, she made her, she said her piece. I hope she just kind of leaves it alone for now. Yeah, I'm going to leave it as wait and see. Um, I think that there's got to be a little bit of a public statement kind of made regarding Chris. Yeah. Because I, I, the more I read this, the more I feel like she's kind of trying to say like, well, I only want to work with the Bellator brand, with the Bellator people. And it's like, that's just not going to happen anymore. Or whatever she was due to, you know, free agency and look, she was due to get a a cut of the a cut of the pie, right? Yeah. If PFL wanted her for pay per view, that doesn't happen anymore. Now she's they're only obligated to her flat rate. They they got the company, they got the contract. So it's like, well, I just like you said. Larissa and Kayla are the ones to gain by beating Cyborg. If Cyborg beats them, not that it wouldn't be huge. It would be a big feather, like all of her big fights were big feathers. Mm -hmm. But let's be real. It's not the same as what they would get out of beating her. Right. And for Chris, if you lose tomorrow, you still go down as the 1B. At worst, you could still make an argument for 1A. Yeah. History of women's MMA, the longevity... The years at the top, the win streak, the eras. It, you can make that argument for Chris. Yeah, the promotions, yeah. like having championships and all these promotions. Nobody's done that and nobody's going to do that. Yeah, she wouldn't lose that if she loses to Larissa at her age and Larissa's age. You know, yeah, right. it, it just wouldn't happen that way. People don't look less at Michael Jordan's year with the Bulls just because he had that lesser but not as amazing year with the Wizards. Same thing. <laughs> right, exactly. So... Yeah, that that's just where I stand with it is that like if she's playing this game, it kind of feels like I don't like it because now it implies that the Bellator people are not being treated right. And I don't think that's true. I think there's just like we said, some people got a great deal in the merger. Some people, Liam McCourt especially, it hasn't gone really well. You know, right. they, they, they got the short end of the stick in this whole thing, so... I don't know. I don't know where they go, but I will say this. If all things are where they stand, Kayla, sorry, not Kayla Harrison, Chris Cyborg is fighting Pacheco probably sometime mid next year. But I, I'll say this. I don't, let's say that Cyborg isn't ready for, let's say like a March or April pay-per-view. Yeah. She's not fighting Liam McCourt. She, she's just not. She's not going to fight Liam McCord in June and Larissa in December. They will put Kayla versus Larissa somewhere else. But they're not going to they're not going to risk the cyborg fight after paying or, you know, after getting the contract and then risk it against another Bellator person. They will just wait until cyborgs ready and put it with Larissa. I'll, I'll go on the record right now, no matter what is going on behind the scenes. OK. Yeah. So. That's where I stand. Uh, one more topic, and I'm, I'll be honest, uh, this is going to be one of those, let's see them in court, but this one obviously came out, TMZ broke it. Jamal Hill was arrested last week for domestic violence. 
He got into a fight with his brother that the report said, quote, you know, serious and aggravated injury. Jamal Hill, through his manager, Brian Butler, said, you know, essentially, we're maintaining our innocence. The truth will come out in court over any alleged fight, you know. So here's what we know. We know that that came out for Jamal. Currently, Jamal is supposed to be recovering from that uh, ankle injury. You know the plan would be ideally for him to fight Alex Pereira for the light heavyweight title. Where What does that do for this? We don't know. I think we're in very much wait and see. I don't know that I would say that there's a lot of risk of... From where it stands right now, I don't know that I feel like this is going to lead to a long... It, this isn't going to lead to an incarceration for Jamal is the feeling I'm getting. So I don't know that the fights are at risk as much as maybe where his reputation stands. What about you? Yeah, I'm not too concerned with this one. And maybe it seems silly to view it this way, but because it's against his own brother, I feel like uh, it was probably just some silly beef or one or both of them had too much to drink and you know, when you're, when you pick a fight with a fighter, like even if they're trying not to hurt you, their instincts are just, you know, the, the way their body moves instinctually is going to be way different than the way a regular person's body moves. And so no doubt it was a serious injury, but probably it wasn't like, it wasn't, you know, Jalen Turner sitting on top of Bobby Green punching the lights out of him, right? I don't think it was that. It just doesn't feel like it. So I, I agree with you. It's probably not going to lead to jail time or anything. I have a feeling it's just going to sort of fizzle out and it won't be an issue. Yeah, I, I'm just going to leave it as I'm going to wait and see for the exact... Um, look, the exact result. Obviously, you shouldn't be... When you're a pro fighter, you can't be getting into fights with people outside of the ring. It's mm-hmm. just, you, you can't be doing it, right? You know yep. too much, you're too trained. It's too, it's kind of like playing with guns when you're like freaking an Olympic gold medalist in shooting. It, it, it's just like, nah, you are, other people, it's an accident. You know too much. You know, that's just how this works. Um, not to say that there aren't obviously a lot of situations. Anthony Smith fighting a home invader, for example. Right, of course, yeah. There's obviously stuff that happens, but. Yeah. Strickland with his... Uh... Oh, yeah. Wasn't that, that was something, wasn't it? Yeah, please. That man was ready. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, in terms of this, I'm going to just leave it as let the rest of the story come out. But yeah, I, I will say, if UFC needs fights in like the first quarter and Jamal Hill still isn't ready, this doesn't help his case for holding Pereira for him. True. And so I'll leave it at that. Yeah, but um, yeah, it just sounds like whatever happened, it clearly wasn't good. And look, when you're a public figure and it gets out, that sucks. But then it's also like, well, what's going on, man? So I'm gonna leave it as that. Let's hear what came out. But on paper, did not sound good, for sure. Um, that leads us to this Saturday's UFC event from the Apex. You will notice a lot of Asian talent. And that did kind of hurt my feelings because I feel like there are some fans in Shanghai who feel like, wait, finally, no, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it sucks in that way, but I think that this one, it just comes together. Song Yudong, we talked about it, taking on Chris Gutierrez. Song, easily one of the top prospects at Bantamweight. I think that he's really just trying to get that main event, real big statement that screams title, Threat, title, challenger. And at Bantamweight, that's a very tough thing to do. Chris Gutierrez, some of the meanest leg kicks. Very difficult uh, Bantamweight to deal with. Very tough guy and very capable himself. What are your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, he is. I mean, I think about that. When I hear Chris Gutierrez's name, I think about that win over Frankie Edgar, right? And that's... It was Frankie Edgar... Was that his... Did he retire after that? Yes. Okay, so... You know, not Frankie Edgar in his prime by any means, but still Frankie Edgar. And Chris Gutierrez dispatched him rather easily. It was a vicious knee. So 
that man is definitely someone who's going to go into the cage and give it their all and, you know, try to put on a show to boot, which I really, really love. Now, he's 32, still, you know, still in his prime right there, where we're, you know, in the pocket of everything, you know, working together like it should. The loss to Pedro Munoz, that's, you know, that's a little more telling of where he is with more, um, like, current, you know, competition, even though Pedro Munoz isn't, you know, what he used to be either. So who is, I'm looking at his record right now. I can't pronounce this, Altengali? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm butchering it. I did not see that fight, so I don't know. You know, he won the fight, and I don't know if it was a, a banger or what. So I can't speak to his last fight. I apologize for that. But all of that is to say, I think Chris Gutierrez is going to bring it, and it's a main event. He's going to go all out. But Sangi Dong seems to be that special fighter that can really put it all together. Uriah Hall, I mean Uriah Faber, loves him. He's always talking him up, and we've seen him do pretty cool things. So that being said, I feel like this is the platform. You know, this this event is set up for Song Yadong to to make a real name for himself, right? To put on a show and for everyone to be like, oh man, this is the guy, the next one of the next up and comers. Um, that being said, I kind of feel like Chris Gutierrez, the veteran, is gonna maybe tell him not not tonight. Um, I think maybe you can tell me if I'm crazy or not, but I feel like it's gonna go the distance, and Chris is just gonna win on points. And it's going to be a good fight. What do you think? You know what? I like Chris Gutierrez. I, I think this is going to be a banger. Yeah. I think the way Song likes to fight. I think that Song's wrestling over there with Alpha Male and yeah, the boys. Yep. I'm sorry, Chris. I think this is just this boy's time. Yeah. I think it's going to be a good fight. But I think that the wrestling kind of going to bail um, Song out of any uh, danger in this one. Right. It, it's going to be fun, but I just think the grappling for Song kind of will carry him through this one. So Yeah, I hear you. Mine's a little bit of a heart pick, but but yeah, it's like as soon as Chris puts on the pressure, Song's going to go for a takedown, right? Uh, oh yeah, don't get me wrong. I like watching Chris too, objectively. Yeah. I think he's going to really bring for it. Sure. But um, yeah, I just think the wrestling, that that's always one of those things. Oh man, they're going to bang. And then it's like, what's yeah. his name? Corey Sanhagen with Rob Font. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's going to be the slickness against the dynamic and, you know, Corey the Eagle Sanhagen over here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's just what we're going to get. But it should be a good one. Anyway, um, next week, Natalie, last UFC event of the year. In terms of North American MMA, last major MMA of the year. UFC 296. I could tell you about the card, but you should know already. What do yep. you feel going into this one? Dude, I'm actually pretty excited. Like, there's some, like, the matchups themselves, some of them, like, on the early prelims, I'm like, oh, well, I know half of you, but, like, to see some of the names, like, Touchy Feely's on there, Randy Brown's on there, Alonzo Menafield, like, these guys put on good shows. Um, Casey O'Neill, Ariane Lipsky, that's that's going to be interesting. Like, you know, that could that could turn into something. Irena Aldana, like, that, you know, this is the thing about the bantamweight division is like, we always talk about it. The top five, it's a little bit like the lightweight division where the they just kind of round robin each other. So now she's going to have to fight someone four spots down on the rankings. And this is definitely a chance for her to just be like, nope, I'm still really awesome. And she should, I would hope and expect her to finish her opponent. I don't know Carl, Carol Rosa very well. So I think it's going to be Irene Eldon all the way, but Cody Garbrandt, Brian Kelleher, like this is like actually a pretty solid card. Josh Emmett, uh, Giga, like am I just okay? I'm, let me just put it this way: the main event, Leon Edwards, Colby Covington. I am really excited about that, but I'm most of all of these fights most interested in seeing Tony Ferguson, Patty Pimblett. Oh. I know. <laughs> Talk, tell me. Just the emotion of Tony? The, look, the, the David Goggins thing, I don't know if you're, if you're following yes. that, okay? You know, I've been a fan of David Goggins for a while now, 100 years, and that whole week-long camp together, so close to this fight, I don't know, man. Two, two, <laughs> two crazy dudes just putting themselves through craziness right before one of them goes off to fight Patty Pimblett. 
could turn into magic, could turn into disaster. I'm rooting really, really hard for Tony Ferguson. I think he actually can, truly. I truly do believe he can beat Patty Pimblett. I think it's a good matchup. Um, so that's that's what I'm looking forward to seeing the most. How does Tony look? And can he just put a beating on this guy? I would love to see it. No offense to Patty Pimblett, but I want to see it. I mean, um, I got to say, uh, I actually like a little bit of that undercard. Ian Gary, Santiluque, yeah. yep. Shafkat. I mean... Oh, dude, yeah, Stephen Thompson. That is, you know, I feel like... I hate to say it, but it's like, that's the that's the secret ingredient to this card. Because, okay, you know, you know what you're getting? All right, Leon and Colby, all right, right. that's the substance of the sandwich. Pantoja, Royval, more substance. Perfectly, objectively great fights. Let's yep. be real. There's a lot of X factors going into that. The wrestling, the layoff, Colby Covington... Leon hitting his stride, it's great. Pantoja, on a roll. Royville, on a roll. It's great. Um, but those fights, I mean, Shavkat is that guy, you feel like by this time next year, he's going to be the one in this exact position at the main event, being the contender. Yeah. He's just been on such a roll. He's kind of got that vibe to him that the fans are, you know, really getting behind. Yeah. That's cool. Ian Gary, I feel like, He's going to be the center of that whole press conference. I mean, everyone, I, you've seen it. I've seen it. Sean Strickland getting in on him over his family. Yeah, Other people, and I'm just like, Colby's right there thinking he doesn't need new material. Oh, my gosh. This thing's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you this. You know, I don't think a woman needs to change her last name if she gets married. These days, it's up to her. But I really don't think there's something. It's still weird for me to see a man change his name or add his woman his wife's last name to his name so i'm kind of with sean strickland on this one a little bit you know all right so i talked to them about it and i I gotta say this i think it's um it is progressive It, it it was odd but it was actually to me when i heard him talk about it about why uh personally i thought it was great when i tell you that woman is ride or like they are so ride or die for each other like ian and layla yeah like when i tell you he's out there with their baby boy watching mom work while she's on the broadcast and she same way for him just like you know i swear they're like the travis kelsey taylor swift of mma it's like it's obnoxious (laughs) you know but, but let me tell you something i think that um is that everybody's vibe? No. I feel like, though, when you talk about that, it's either this energy or nothing. I think that you are talking about them as a couple. And so in that way, I don't really... I think they're kind of taking it way too far, this idea about, um, you know, him taking her maiden name. She takes his last name still. Yeah. And it's like, well, now our... Our son and my stepson for Ian have a shared name. We're all a family. I mean, that's not the craziest thing in the world. I mean, at least that's me. Maybe I'm just because I know them and they've supported me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that straight up. But it's like, it's like, guys, I think the Internet just likes to run away with this. (laughs) By the way, I put a video out. I've got like over... it had like 300,000 views. Yeah. But it's like the comments, and there were a bunch of comments straight up that said, yeah, but I like talking about the theories more because that's more fun than <laughs> the truth. And I'm like... Okay, that's helpful. So the internet just wants drama. Right. You know, they they just want to speculate for their entertainment like characters on TV. And it's like, uh, but they're... Yeah, what, what am I going to say, right? Well, I appreciate you enlightening me. So that if yeah. that works for them, it makes sense. All right. Yeah, that that's not okay. Layla Anali is a stage name. That's not even her legal name, so that's why it doesn't. It got changed drastically legally. Machado is her main maiden name because although she is British, her family comes from Brazil. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why you have you know a very English-sounding lady with a Brazilian maiden name. So yep. there you go, guys. Um, the husband never lived with them. Never has. I don't even think he was ever a nutritionist for Ian. I think that he just also happened to be a nutritionist 
Doesn't mean he ever worked with the inn, to my knowledge. Um, and the Wives and Girlfriends book was a satire that you can listen to for five bucks and be done with in eight minutes. Does that sound like a freaking how-to manual? I no. mean, it takes me longer to freaking explain a TV show to my grandma. <laughs> Honestly, you know? Oh, my God. So, that's just me. But uh, he's going to be the center of the press conference. Yeah, for sure. Real. And Colby Covington has plenty of ammunition that I'm sure he's going to start popping off with. So, yeah. Uh, Natalie, we can't get into it because someone is going on vacation. I know. But we're going to be back to recap in two weeks. Yeah, I'll be, we'll be back. And uh, I'll bring you some... What? I, li- I want those, like, the, the, the seashell necklace. Oh, puka shells. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On one of those things. Okay. Anyway, but um, yeah, we'll get into that, everyone. I'll have another friend join me to break down all the action. Until then, remember, like, comment, subscribe. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a good one.